Welcome to Soul Practice, a podcast featuring raw conversations about our crazy world and real practices that keep us grounded deep in our souls. Soul Practice, Raw Conversations, Real Practices is hosted by Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis. Welcome back to Soul Practice. I'm Phyllis Mathis. And I'm Kathy Escobar. And today... Our conversation today is going to be actually an extension of Mm. our last episode about kings and queens because we want to talk about narcissism. (laughs) Oh, it feeds it. It feeds it. We feed it. And um, so what it is, where we're seeing it, is is it an epidemic? Is it a pandemic? (laughs) You know, is it an infection? What? It's for sure an infection. Is it? Um, (laughs) And so we're just going to kind of find our way because honestly, this is another thing that comes up in our conversations and has for the last 10 years, just how crazy it makes us feel to observe a narcissist at work, not at work, at the workplace, but watching a narcissist do their thing. Yeah. And then um, tr- how it twists our head a little bit <laughs> and how we need to change the rules. And it feeds right into the conversation we had about kings and queens because it's, uh, it is a sort of a, I don't know, I'm just going to turn it over to you, Kathy. Well, no, no. So I really honestly think that 2016, yeah, 2016 did something really huge in this department. narcissism so this is a conversation phyllis and i have literally been having since the day we met yeah so this is like the day we met because the way that we met was through a friend who is a really good friend of phyllis's who actually came with her daughter to church at the big church that i was working at um before the refuge and you know peace of my falling down there was actually teaching on a Sunday morning there. Um, I had taught to addicts FYI for two years, hundreds of them, but there was something about a female preaching on the regular, quote unquote, regular stage that created this huge catalyst of craziness. And I already knew the system was really um, unhealthy, but it really revealed this in a stronger way um, that was kind of all the way. And so her friend said, um, was there. Her friend was actually there at that time and wrote me a card and said how much she appreciated hearing a female voice at a church that she had never once heard a female voice at. And, um, And then when I had my free fall out over, you know, advocating for unresourced people and um, not uh, shiny, pulled together uh, elders who looked good on the outside, hence kings and queens before, that looked good on the outside and were literally like so unhealthy. And don't forget. (laughs) What? You didn't have a penis, Kathy. (laughs) I do not have a penis. That was fault. (laughs) That really was the biggest fault. And I really lost my shit there. Everyone, this is in face shift, but it's really true. Like, I hit my limit on watching power bullshit happen in church. And I, I, I really, like, something happened in me. I was really insecure when I started, and I was not at the end because I just saw it. And so I stood on tables and did all kinds of nutty things, advocating for change and wasted, frankly, a lot of energy 
um, trying to change something that was never going to change. But a gift that I got was after I was out, I actually called this this person who is um, one of Phyllis's really good friends, and I reached out and said thank you for the the uh, message, and I'd love to get together. She had offered me that, and we got together, and she's like, "You need to meet Phyllis Mathis." <laughs> <laughs> And so we did. Yeah. We showed up at this weird thing and then we became friends. And um, this was pretty much at the top of our list because both of us had been in systems where narcissists thrive. Yeah. Multiple systems. Yeah. All systems. Yeah. And not all of them in my faith experience, but most of them. And for sure, now it has picked up so much steam over the last 15 years. And 2016 revealed one of the biggest narcissists that we'll ever know um, as in uh, illuminated worldwide is Donald Trump. Yeah. So he really embodies it. And it was why so many of us had this feeling inside that was so traumatic. Like literally, for me, it was so traumatic. Because the part about um, narcissists like that is they fucking get away with it. Yeah, and they do a lot of damage. Oh my gosh. So, so it, it's not just, you know, we don't like how this person acts or they're so full of themselves. It's that the way what they project and what they set in motion is damaging on on a lot of levels. And I just remember election night. Oh gosh. We were the people on the <sighs> Dave Chappelle show. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh my God, we're all the white, all the white progressives. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, what? What is this happening? Every all the people of color were like, what? Yeah, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Oh, color me not surprised. But yeah, Uh, but it, it was a this. I had this sick feeling because because I I knew that what narcissists project over the people that they have power over. It's really kind of a a crazy reality and it could really fuck with your brain and your mind and your heart and your soul and your sense of reality. Oh my gosh. And it really is. I mean, I wrote a post years ago called Charisma, Fairy Dust, and Our Addiction to Kings or something like that. And it really is so piece of narcissism and there's kind of a a whole range. So, And we're not diagnosing people here. Okay, this is really important. But I will say... Narcissist personality disorder in its biggest form, its purest form, is rampant in the church. Okay, it's rampant in the church. It's like a breeding ground. And I actually think that there's some studies done that it has the highest percentage. Oh, really? Yes. It's that woman that we listened to. I think it, I can't remember her name right now. That awesome piece. I'm going to try and find it and maybe be able to share it. It's in one of the blog posts that I have. She did a lot of research on it. And it's just a place that thrives on it because it's, it, it's, it's, and people in um, churches are really addicted to charismatic leaders. And so charismatic, powerful, strong, magnetic, charming, bright, engaging are, it doesn't mean that every person like that is a narcissist, but it means that it has that package. Um, but underneath, and I'm just going to read something. This is from a really old post um, from 2015. It's a long time ago. So this is before Donald Trump. I wrote something called like a thing or two about narcissism in the church. But here are some symptoms of narcissists 
this is on the um they really have a super fragile self-esteem yes but they come across that way that I just described having an exaggerated sense of self-importance expected to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it <laughs> my goodness, this is like Donald Trump's the max exaggerating your achievements and talents being preoccupied with fantasies about success power brilliance beauty or the perfect mate believing that your superior can only be understood by or associate with equally special people requiring constant admiration this is a piece of our conversation last time Having a sense of entitlement, expecting special favors and unquestioning compliance with your expectations, taking advantage of others to get what you want, having an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs and feelings of others, being envious of others and believing that others envy you, behaving in an arrogant or haughty manner. And then I added this, I would add lying, <laughs> blatant, unabashed, straight face lying. Yeah. And so we know personally, Phyllis and I do, so many, primarily women, who were in relationship with narcissists, mm -hmm. who fit different parts of this, but most of them. Mm -hmm. And it literally is crazy making. Yeah, it's, I, I, I have a speech that I give to people. Um, and from my, my experience, I've really only worked with women who've been married to male narcissists, okay? So uh, I'm sure the tables could be turned. I just have not experienced that. I'm just going to mm -hmm. declare that. So, but one of the things I have to do is like I pretty much have to get in their face and say, the way you do relationships with normal people is not the way you can do a relationship with a narcissist. Because in regular relationships, it, there's a give and take there's a kind of reciprocity mm. and and with narcissists basically it's a game of go fish where <laughs> you know you know how to play a go fish got any twos uh yeah here got any threes um mm. yeah here got any kings um yeah here when's it gonna be my turn <laughs> like yeah. you're always giving so up true. out of a, a sense of goodwill and a sense of like this is how normal people react they suck it from you and they give nothing back except their glow <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was you know that attracted you to them in the first place so I don't know how I got there I think I interrupted what you were no using. no it's just that that's that this is the it's real a crazy life. making yeah. okay yeah, thank you so so um in just watching these things happen over and over again and the bewilderment on the partner's face all the time. Yeah. I'm thinking, what is the dynamic here? So um, the first thing that you mentioned was that they, they have a damaged sense of self for whatever mm -hmm. reason or no sense of self, whatever, for whatever reasons. But they create a world, then they project a reality out into the world and they pick people to live in their reality basically mm -hmm. and they attract people but once they're in their reality then they become satellites in their little in their little created projected fantasy world okay. and it's so powerful that people step in and they expect it to be a normal kind of reasonable relationship and they kind of don't notice that it's not because we're so enamored of them mm. 
and the the benefit or the payoff of of their glow or what they offer or what they seem to offer keeps us in there but we're we're dealing in like a a reasonable world and don't realize that they're not playing by the same rules And so as long as you play by their rules, as long as you sort of fit in with the reality that they project and you play your part, you're fine. And you don't get hurt yet. (laughs) You don't get damaged. You don't even understand what people are upset about. But once you break the rules in the universe that they have created and and deigned to allow you to participate Mm. in, once you stop doing your job that you didn't know was your job <laughs> or once you confront something or once you make them feel something they're terrified to feel which is you know some sort of responsibility or mm-hmm. or some sort of obligation or some sort of i don't know awareness of who they are who what's really happening here that's when the trouble starts and any so, boundary so like anytime anybody this is what we see Anytime someone who's in relationship with a narcissist starts to set a boundary, forget it. Yeah, that's the beginning of the end. And then, depending on the the pathology of the narcissist that you're dealing with, that's when the punishment starts. Yeah. So, because you are breaking the rules of their universe, and that is a very serious offense. Only you, you just think you're being a regular person. Mm. So... That's when you can ignite this, I don't know what to call it, this monster like of, poking the bear. of self-protection. Yeah. They will do anything to protect this very fragile ego that they have created and projected into the world as all that they have. So when you're, when you're challenging that or when you are threatening that, then the full force of their self-protection will come against you. And... I've seen partners lose their children, lose their homes, lose their uh, retirement, lose their status. They and every time they try to get justice, they just lose again. And some narcissists will not stop punishing the person, even when they start losing. (laughs) Like you know what I mean? Like they put it all out there just to prove a point. So they might lose thousands of dollars, they might lose their reputation, they might go to court 150 times mm-hmm. to punish or drag this person through the mud. It, it is a nightmare of epic proportions. So it's a powerful psychological voodoo shit that happens. And that's just on the individual or relational level. So when you have a narcissist that has power and the more power you give them the more fuel you're giving them mm. to make bigger this reality that they invest everything in and so the stakes just get higher and higher and higher so there are certain places that are like narcissist factories <laughs> i like to call <laughs> breeding them breeding grounds yeah, factories like, you know mass producing these things and oh my god and i don't want to just pick on the church but that's basically where we've seen it the most. And it's it the reason it's connected to our last conversation is that we have a part to play. Yeah. Like who's gonna hire the humble, unpolished dude or woman who wants to make it real? 
nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to not be, pay the bills. Doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, uh, we watched the new James Bond movie oh, last weekend too. Yeah, we're gonna see. And it. some hint that 007, like the the um, black woman who was the new 007, or at least was in this movie, I was like, are we gonna have a a woman 007? Are we gonna have a black woman 007? Wouldn't that be cool? And then I thought. Would that would that sell tickets mm. in our society? Would it? Mm. We may need a black 007. We may need a female 007. But you know, because right. we have something, we want it. We want it. We want something. And so there's a, a part of the kings and queens conversation that should illuminate. What am I? What am I trying to do here when I get enamored of someone? And how do I? like contribute to the problem when I go into the, I don't know, the Jedi mind trick that they're doing. Yeah, and really get sucked in. It's like a fog. Yeah. It's like a fog. And when I look back at um, my Christian experience, for sure, like I followed some of these people. And then I saw the inside. It was like the Oz, you know, the curtain got revealed. And then I saw. And then once you, the scales come off your eyes and you see, then you can't ever not see. I so want to name names. I know, me too. I could name so many names. And I, I just don't want to do that in this moment. But <laughs> I, I want to get sued. <laughs> I don't want to get sued. And honestly, I don't want to feed them. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to feed them. But I do want to call out. On the whole, almost every big mega churchy kind of um, thing um, has one. Not every single one. I don't want to say that. Not every single one. And um, there, but there is a degree in there that it it is a um, little bit of a protection. There's a fortress up there, and it's it's a lot of people propping that up. In it, it. Ultimately, the biggest thing is it's just so unhealthy. Yeah. It's so unhealthy. And it really, um, over and over and over again, we do it to uh, our attraction to charismatic and powerful and charming. And one of the things that we always deal with with these um, amazing, strong, educated powerful you know in the best sense of the word women amazing women is that um they just didn't know until you're in it Uh and so it wasn't because this is the hardest part is you know you just feel so dumb you just feel so dumb and once you're in then you know and then here's the hardest part this is true on uh, all kinds of leaders and why abusive systems keep getting perpetuated and why um, emotional abuse of individuals in relationship and then also systems, mm-hmm. frankly, mm-hmm. is because people go, uh-uh, he's not like that at all. What's wrong with you? Yep. There's no way he could be like that. I don't see him like that at all because we don't want to let go of that facsimile that you just talked about in the previous thing. And so then what happens is people who start to see begin to feel crazy Mm -hmm. gaslighting is like everything in this conversation is super big and I think that that's why for me like literally Donald Trump um, affected my soul like 
the violation in the deepest part of me magnified all this other stuff for so many years and watching and frankly still watching there's still a lot of people okay this is not done yeah and so it illuminated but certainly in those early years it illuminated this thing that I still can't really get my head all the way around like how did this happen and then I'm like I know yes I know why it happened because this one white supremacy huge Mm -hmm. white supremacy is a big thing in here and um, and male supremacy frankly like it's just like that somehow these guys have this power and we are drawn to it Um, and we give up our soul in the process and they say enough good things this is what's hard and you know honestly like a leader that we followed and I actually worked for years ago like he something he said is what prompted my husband to go back to law school and do his passion oh wow yeah and become a lawyer for pro bono you know pro bono lawyer for Spanish-speaking domestic violence victims it's amazing and it's so irritating. I know it came from that source. <laughs> I'm like, really? I don't want to give that person one lick of credit. And I will say the irony of the whole story, because like textbook this story, and I've watched it unfold, the whole thing, watch it unfold over many years, all the damage, so many people in churches, multiple churches that got planted, new people following, new people getting destroyed. And then literally this person is has a show about how to spot a narcissist. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Of course he does. Like that's like the, the quintessential moment. Oh my God. <laughs> I want to tell this other story too. Oh, I can't. I can't. Sorry, can't? it's confidential. Okay. I think it's kind of confidential. Yeah, then maybe you shouldn't. Keep but it, it, was a, it was a, way. a narcissist leader <laughs> who wrote a book about being a servant. Oh. There you go. <laughs> and I ran across the book. I had, and I was like, what the hell? And I, t- I talked to somebody about this who was a, who consulted with a lot of churches and, you know, kind of helped churches figure their stuff out. And he just, I said, did you know that this person wrote this book? And he goes, ah, oh, we never read the books. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. Well, it's just one of the crazy, crazy yeah. things. Well, the hardest part for me, and um, I would say that for the women that I journey with and the kids who are affected by it and the communities, you know, again, I'm in the Christian stream, been there for a long time and just watching so much destruction happen and continue to happen. And now I just kind of sit back and go, oh my gosh, here we go. Same cycle. Same thing. And uh, and actually, they pop around to different places. They rise again. And so they, they they fall. But then I was like, oh, yeah, just a matter of time. They'll just pop it up somewhere else, and a bunch of people will follow. And uh, that has been a really consistent pattern. Mm-hmm. And uh, But for the women and the kids, it is so hard on the soul. And it's so hard to come up with any practices, honestly, that yeah. really help yeah. because it's an impossible situation to be in relationship individually with a narcissist um, and in as a community with one. It's pretty impossible. You, you can't win. And I remember this years ago. This is a long time ago. We hosted a night at the Refuge 
um, because there were all these women that I knew that had um, narcissist partners, um, a lot of them really with narcissist personality disorder, some just with extreme narcissism. There's a continuum. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't in some ways really matter, I don't think. The things are the same. Yeah. It just manifests in, in stronger ways or in different ways, but all the same. And we had 14 women come. Oh, boy. 14. Oh, boy. And my friend facilitated how to help the kids. We had, like, tools for kids. What do you do when you have to send your children to them? And um, so it was really good. Uh, but 14. And what's interesting is just in this past week, I've had several conversations with people that are new connections and like same story. And it just reminds me. So I'll back up. When I went to that, I actually called Phyllis. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember it super clear because I was like, I'm going to facilitate this thing, hold some space for these 14 women. And um, what is like one word of advice you have for them? And you said this. Do you remember this at all? You're like... You're never going to win. You can't win. You can't win. I think yeah. you said you can't fucking win. And <laughs> you just can't fucking win. And that is helpful to remember. I think for everybody who maybe worked for one, lived with one, has a parent who is one, like any, you know, any of those relationships, like you really can't win. There's, you know Why? Because they're willing to do whatever. They will cross lines you would never, ever cross. And so you you might press with everything you've got, and then they'll step over the line, do something so dirty and underhanded that if you're going to win, you're going to have to match. And you just can't, in your integrity, do that. Mm. Because another thing about narcissists is they they collect the best. Seriously, the people of goodwill and sincerity and reasonability and they suck that up like that's the fuel that they use to do what they do so so when if you're that kind of person and you're trying to leave from a narcissist and you're so mad and it's so unjust that you want to win you'll never go as far as they'll go to win and they will they will do a scorched earth they will sacrifice anything to win even their own children yeah Uh, makes me just feel sick yeah. But it's so true. But that's why you can't win. Yeah. It's because you will come to the end of your willingness, the end of your fight, and you will have spent all this time, money, energy, anger, rage, support, whatever, and you're still going to lose because mm-hmm. they're willing to go the extra mile just yeah. to crush you. It just hurts. It does. To hear it. But you know what is so good, okay? It is so good, and it's amazing. These women that we know, they're oh, doing they're it. They're the best. They're literally doing it, and... They are untangling from narcissists and living a new life. And people, also humans who are leaving churches and systems and jobs that um, actually did provide a lot of security, willing and courageous enough to say, absolutely not, no more, never, never. Uh-uh-uh. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm out. And um, and the cost of that is great. Mm-hmm. And you lose a lot. And sometimes you do lose your kids. I mean, that's been a really hard thing to watch some people. But I have told them, and it's been true so far, for the most part, um, especially with younger kids that are just really want their dads, is that um, 
I just always say integrity ultimately rises to the surface, Mm -hmm. ultimately. And the proof is always in the pudding Mm -hmm. over time. And so hang in there because over time, not always, so it's not a guarantee, of course. I know some have been lost forever, but some actually as they grow up and get a little maturity, they start to notice that thing and they separate from their dads also and come back. Mm-hmm. And that has been really beautiful to see. It, again, it's not always, and it's so painful. I mean, my heart just breaks because it is a loss different than like the loss of my kid who died on this earth, but it's a death or a separation from your baby who's getting um, duped mm-hmm. and used, used. That's the worst part. They use their kids too. They'll use anybody mm-hmm. um, to uh, feel better, and that's super painful, but Watching these women, it's so courageous. And I just want to say to anybody listening who has been in this, like, it is super brave to get out, again, out of not just a relationship, but a church relationship, a work relationship, Um, a parent that you refuse to, like, give your, to keep um, feeding. Mm -hmm. And it's lonely, and it's sad, and it's hard, but it's totally worth Worth it. it. And I think that um, we're in really good company. And But I would say for Phyllis and I, if like we really think of the conversations that we've had over how many years, like this has been at the top. Mm-hmm. Because we have watched narcissists destroy so many people of goodwill. Yeah. And used so many leaders. And really messed with the heads and hearts of so many amazing women who were married to them or with them. And it really pisses us off. Yeah. The most. The most. Um, And so, I just kind of feel that in my body, honestly. I just feel it and I'm really sad. It makes me cry. It just makes me so sad what they fucking get away with. And so our work, I think, the last thing I just want to say in general is that I I have multiple posts about this, but one I glanced at was just don't feed the narcissist. Yeah. And um, they do feed on anything. And one of the most painful things to me, I'll just say, is watching when people I know and love who get strong and, um, and get out, then other people feed them. That is really hard for me. I want to scream and just go, stop it. The only way is to like turn it all the way off, which we can't have control over. But what we can do is um, us stop in them. Yeah. And I'll add one thing to that. The thing that drives people crazy trying to understand this and trying to work their way through it is they they keep second guessing themselves. Mm. They keep wondering well, am I just as bad? Like, do I do that too? And, you know, this this pension for self-reflection turns into a kind of a, a thing where you're stuck in your own head going, well, maybe I, maybe I, totally. and seeing it wrong. And, and maybe I, maybe I, well, I did say that thing. What if I didn't say that thing? Or what if I just didn't buy that thing? Or what if I just didn't, you know, we're always trying to take all the responsibility in the relationship, which if you're in a, regular relationship they take responsibility you take responsibility but in a in a relationship with a narcissist you have to change the rules ah oh, that is so crucial right and there you gotta stop that because that will drop that will literally break your mind yes 
Yes, and that uh, that imbalance is so big, and it just makes me think we should talk at some point about false equivalencies. Yeah, <laughs> that was the phrase that just came to me. Yes, so, yeah. it's like, and it's so real because people of goodwill are oh, trying good. to come equally and come to the table and then getting blamed Yeah. Um, on the other side. So that's another conversation. So as we wrap up um, this narcissism reality, what's something, um, just a reminder for the soul? Um, just say no to narcissists. I don't know. <laughs> Everything you can do to ground yourself in your body mm. and your soul mm. and to to validate and, and bless your being in this moment. Mm. That's kind of the answer for everything, but it will help you be grounded and less susceptible to the to the craziness that gets stirred up around you. Mm. It's so good. It's so good. And I think on the practice side, I mean, one really is, is to, um, like, and it kind of fits with what Phyllis said, but it's true. Like oh. really offer yourself self-compassion yeah. in a really tangible way. And because it is so hard to not take on that somehow it's our fault. And I think another tangible practice is read up on it. I mean, it's really worth it. Just even seeing these, you know, this little list from a long time ago, it's always good to remember Mm -hmm. to read up on it. And then the last thing, and it kind of all just fits in, is um, reach out and talk to somebody, safe about it, because we really have a distorted view of it without outside help. Because they make us do that, and so it like that bringing it to the practice of bringing it to the light, whatever yeah. it looks like. So, um, and that is courageous, and we're in good company on this, and it's really painful, and I'm I'm really sad at how they thrive. Um, but we can practice turning in a new direction, yeah, away from them, and towards new life. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Kathy Escobar and Phyllis Mathis write, speak, pastor, and counsel, and are dedicated to creating spaces that foster healing and change. You can learn more at kathyescobar.com and phyllismathis.com. Keep listening to your soul and keep practicing.